Hello, welcome to the pop-up podcast in the Hunt and Gather podcast studio and lounge. Coming to you from the inner sunset of San Francisco, this is Dee Dee Hunt and Nathan Tan. As you may know, Hunt and Gather is a seasonal art gallery. We host four shows per year. Our fall show will run from September 22nd to November 12th. It's called Rooted and Layered. It's an abstract show exploring the layers and depth of our imagination through shapes and colors found in nature and the world around us. It features work from seven local artists. Our guest today, Michelle de la Minardier, is one of them, along with Alfredo Sainz, Jamey Tasker, Catherine Sherman, Paolo Cento, Sentio, Lane Wiseman, and Natalie Fabri. In this episode, my co-host and I, Nate, interview Michelle de la Minardier. And let me just tell you, after listening to this episode, whether you're an artist or an art lover, you're going to feel inspired. Michelle literally made me realize I need to get back to simplifying my life in order to allow more creativity and joy into my world. I miss painting and creating as a means of therapy and enjoyment. But Michelle has set her life up for deep creativity. She talks about the steps it required to get to a place in her life journey where she could go full time with her art and call the shots. It definitely didn't come without sacrifice and I'm super proud to show her work this fall at a time in her pivotal journey and career that is not only significant but also super beautiful. When we recorded this episode, she was headed to Bali on an art retreat. And when this episode goes live, she will likely be in Bali immersed in art, culture, and deep wellness. I don't know about you, but I want to learn from Michelle. So let's get started. Nate had a bunch of questions for her, which we had to calm him down and tell him to wait for the record button. So Nate, take it away. Well, I'm curious. I, I like meeting new artists and hearing how they're struggling along with me. <laughs> so I guess the, one of the questions I had to hold back on was, um, are you a full-time artist? Yes. Well, firstly, I'd like to thank both of you for having me on this podcast today. Thank you so much. And I'm oh. really looking forward to being in the fall show. So Yay. I just want to say Yay. that. We're so excited too. Yes. So I am a professional abstract painter as of 2023. So it's very recent. Awesome. I was a graphic designer, creative director for over 20 years. So I was Ooh. doing that in, in tandem with my art for a very long time mm -hmm. and the last five years I was actually working in the tech sector hmm. so as you can imagine it was quite intense and the hours were very long which meant I didn't have a lot of time for my art and that is one of the reasons I decided to switch and go back to painting full-time just to follow my passion Wow what industry were you working in so I was working in sort of IT deep tech like software for developers as <laughs> I was a, the creative director oh okay. so doing branding design but as a graphic designer yes what like at the beginning at the beginning yeah when you of, first of when like, i first started out yeah oh back then i mean you know i always wanted to work on a magazine actually mm -hmm. so i actually lived in new york briefly i worked at newsweek 
I worked at AARP magazine, Mm -hmm. funny enough. I was also- Man, screw those guys. (laughs) Freaking get those envelopes. I'm just like, thanks a lot. And then I actually became a book designer, book cover designer for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Worked at the National Academies, which is a nonprofit science organization Mm -hmm. in DC. And I did a lot of design work for them. And then branding for all kinds of nonprofits, Mm -hmm. corporate- Industries. I mean, I did it all, you know? Wow. I was building websites for small companies, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear your background because then when I see what you're doing currently with your art, I'm like, you can see the influence. Yeah. Well, color. For sure. Color harmony, for sure. Yeah. From your graphics. Awesome. Just to get a little personal, tell us a little bit about what else you do, hobbies. What do you do for fun? Sure. So so like a lot of people in the Bay Area, I feel like I'm a little bit stereotypical. I really love the outdoors. I love nature, hiking. That's one of the reasons I moved out here. I'm also do a lot of meditation and yoga. It's a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. Reading, traveling. You know, actually, these days, I'm really trying to, to minimize my life as much as possible. Keep it as simple so that I do have a lot of time for creative activities. Tell us what inspires your art, especially the pieces featured in our gallery this season. Sure. So as an artist, I work very intuitively and viscerally. My art really is inspired by my own sort of emotional landscape. But that said, you know, I'm always influenced by color and shape around me, music, travel, all that kind of stuff. But I would say that I do feel like there's a kind of magic in color and shape and it, it allows me to convey emotions in ways that words cannot. So that's what I'm trying to do with my paintings. Oh, well, I think you do that well. <laughs> Thank you. Have you always been an abstract painter? Yes. When I was five years old, I was making abstract paintings and I had Picasso books. I mean, it's, just, it's so funny when I think back on it. I was always drawn to abstract art. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Can you describe your creative process? Abstract art is so hard to pull off. It's so elusive, yet your work makes it look almost easy. It's really a mixture of spontaneity and structure. So when I begin pieces, I don't have a plan. Anytime I try to have a linear plan, it never works out. But I might have sort of an idea for shapes or composition. I might have a color scheme in mind, but I'm usually thinking of, you know, a feeling I'm trying to convey. And in the the beginning phases, I really try to clear my mind and drop into a space where, you know, like what the Buddhists call the beginner's mind, where I can really be fresh and free and just playful with my work, you know. And then about 50% or 75% of, of the way through, that's when I'll sort of step back and start asking questions like um, bring more structure into it and start seeing, you know, is the rhythm there? Is the harmony there? Are the colors working together? And then it's really like a balancing act, which I feel like I've been working on for decades, trying to get the right balance, you know, making sure I don't get too analytical about it, which can make it boring. And I don't want to be too spontaneous because then it can turn into a mess. So it's trying to find this like perfect rhythm in the piece. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you paint on canvas? Mm -hmm. So I paint on canvas, wood and paper. I'm always Mm. experimenting because it's interesting to see you know, how the layering and saturations of colors changes from surface to surface. So I experiment a lot with that. 
that's cool yeah yeah I, I like painting on wood too yeah but i guess canvas is my surface of choice do you have any specific themes or messages conveyed in your current collection yeah so for the art that i'm showing at hunt and gather in the fall a number of my paintings sort of explore my again you know my emotional landscape my emotional response to certain situations in life that are hard to put in, into words, whether it be like solitude or closeness or longing. So I use color, shape, and form to explore um, these kind of realms. And I also have a series of more lighthearted paintings on San Francisco neighborhoods. And so they explore my feelings and emotional response to areas in the city oh. that I love. Yeah. Ooh, and those are part of the show? Yes. Oh, yay. Oh, That's yeah. so fun. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the actual space you create your work in? Like, tell us a little bit how it's set. Is it messy? Is it clean? You oh, know, okay. and do you ever have like an open studios or do you allow customers to come to your home studio? So currently, so I'm very lucky because I have a very large apartment in San Francisco, which I got very lucky like many years ago. And you have rent control. <laughs> I have rent control. It was the kind of thing where I was living in a tiny studio in the Tenderloin mm -hmm. and I needed to find a new place. And I walk into this huge, like one bedroom, gigantic living room, floor to ceiling, windows, tiny dining room. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like it was almost the same price. Wow. At the studio. So what I, neighborhood? It's kind of in a strange neighborhood, but that's okay because I love the space. It's <laughs> have you heard of Cathedral Hill? No. Okay. It's between Japantown and Hayes Valley. It's kind oh, of a wow. civic center. It's really convenient because mm -hmm. I can walk anywhere in the city and I love that. It's and yeah, so it's And both a, of those are great neighborhoods if you're wa your walking distance to Japantown and Hayes Valley. Oh yeah. Score. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Transport's really good. Never move. I've been there since two thousand and nine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they'll probably <laughs> if I move it will probably be out of the city. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. So I mean there was a short time where I did have a, a studio at Art Explosion. I don't know if you're familiar, which studio is in the mission. Mm -hmm. But so for now, I have, since going full-time, I have completely transformed my space so it really is like a humongous studio. So I have the living room, living room and dining room are both my studios. I have like a easel set up just in the dining room area, so that's for large works. And then in the other area, I have a big table where I do all kinds of smaller works. And then, yeah, just a lot of space where, you know, to take photos of the work and whatnot. So I'm really lucky in that way. Wow. It sounds like a dream. <laughs> I, I, I do feel space. very, very, very grateful for that. Very grateful. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily have, you know, just have strangers coming through. But if someone is interested in my art and makes an appointment with me, then I'll, you know, of course I have people over to see work there. Mm -hmm. And with that said, tell us how do you balance your when you're not working and you know being that your studio's in the house. Right. Yeah. And it's really you're immersed in your art. How do you balance work from when you're not working? Yeah. So I'm a very intense personality type. So when I am making art I can be like totally not in touch with people and just like deep 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 to, in my process and then I'll come out and take take breaks but I do tend to go deep and so in that way it's really good that I live where I paint because I'll get up you know 
6 a.m. and I want to paint like immediately, Mm -hmm. you know, just feel it. But how do I balance it? Well, you know, like earlier I was telling you, I do have the meditation practice, the yoga practice. I take long walks all the time. Like simple things like that, I, you know, are just really important to me. I, I take days off. Of course. But, you know, I definitely have been working. A l- I'll say I've been painting a lot in the last few months for sure. So how do you structure your day? Do you take do you have certain days off? Do you have times that you work or is it just like you have to feel it and you paint when you're when you feel like painting? Actually, I thought it's really interesting because when I had a job, I actually felt like, oh, I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. But actually, now that I have the time I realized no you know now that I have the space and time I always want to paint which is really good because I was worried Mm -hmm. that it wasn't going to come I mean there are days when I don't feel as inspired for sure but I basically you know I do have a schedule and I paint best in the mornings I also Mm. there's a problem with light like I really need natural light Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I can't I know a lot of a lot of artists like to work late into the night it really doesn't mm-hmm. work for me I don't have the right lighting set up at I'm all I'm a for late that. night I'm artist. yeah I can't um, yeah. do that so night becomes a time for social media marketing mm. or wiring painting you know other things I want to do okay you just said three things that scare a lot of artists the whole promotion and <laughs> good for you so how did you how are you able to share your work how yeah and like not be frightened well, I have been, well, so I, you know, I, a little bit about my, about my background. I mean, I was, I have been exhibiting and showing work, you know, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm from Washington, D.C. So I started out there and when I was working as a designer, I was already, you know, this is like pre-social media. I remember mm-hmm. making evites and my artist <laughs> friends and I were really motivated and we would go around and try to find venues to show our work in and we would go up to them and be like, we want to show art here, you know. Right. And, and it worked a lot of times. And honestly, you know, back then people didn't have, have as many options for things to do. So we became like a big deal in D.C. as like something to do on the weekends, our art shows. So cool. I was pretty fearless, like in my 20s. I would just mm-hmm. run around and just put my art wherever I could. And so I was already doing that for a long time. Now mm-hmm. I'm a lot more intentional, you know, and I try to there's so many ways to share and and market and sell your art and I, uh, there's, it's overwhelming right so I try mm-hmm. to be really intentional about it going back to your original question though I worked in marketing as a designer right so I mm-hmm. already was doing the social media thing and the marketing things that's why I was so interested to hear what you did before this because it yeah because really, I find all the what I thought were crappy jobs you know telemarketing designing you know souvenir toys and <laughs> this and that you know like this is all part of my history yeah. and now I'm doing it for myself. <laughs> it helps, right? And, yeah, of course. And I got paid to learn that stuff. So I totally. appreciate that more now than probably when I was groaning and working for them. Yeah, I mean, actually, though, I wasn't that familiar with, like, Instagram. It's so embarrassing. I'm such a grandma. Like, earlier this year, <laughs> when I, I had to learn everything. I didn't know how anything worked on Instagram. I was like, what? Stories? Mm-hmm. Reels? It, it just didn't seem natural to me so I did spend a lot of time earlier I still am like learning how how that all works but it certainly helps obviously to have design skills so yeah so would you say that the social media part has been your biggest challenge or what would you say your biggest challenge has been since taking your art full-time 
My biggest challenge, honestly, is imposter syndrome Mm. and just remembering that, you know, to be kind to myself and to not compare myself to others and to really. Oh, my God. There are so many voices out there giving you opinions or telling you what to think or how how to do this or that and and it can just become overwhelming and just to keep positive and remember you know obviously we all apply to so many shows you're going to get rejection letters you know just remember to keep positive and strong and keep core good people around you to remind you of that and most importantly i think you know the whole reason i i decided to do this full time was because it brings me joy and I was getting a bit burnt out in my previous career. And, and so I want to, you know, be in joy as I do this. So imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So explain that a little bit more. Does that mean you feel like your work is resembling someone else's? So it's a real psychological. Very diagnosis. common, Nate. <laughs> I don't, you know, basically. Most artists have this problem. Yeah, it's what? you just don't feel good enough. You feel like you're always faking it. No matter what you're doing, you feel like. Am some I of really? The, some of the most, sorry to interrupt, some of the most amazing, talented artists yeah. who are super accomplished feel that way. So I, I mentor a lot of younger entrepreneurs, especially That's artists, and that is the thing that kills me. Yeah. But it's so real, and so I've become more understanding of dealing with it and trying to help people get over it. I'm and not you've s- never felt that way about yourself? You've never oh, questioned your own. I take this supplement. It's, it's this pill. It's called the Don't Give a Fuck. Oh, good one. <laughs> and I take you know Share that five milligrams every day, and it that, works. That is some good advice, honestly. Yeah. That's good advice. It's really crazy that Michelle brought that up because sometimes I do on my stories, I do a small biz talk with Nate One. And I just, whatever I'm thinking about, or maybe recently I helped someone with something, and today I didn't do it. I don't know why, but I was going to say... It's really important that as an artist or as a business owner or as a creative that you don't worry about what other people do, mm-hmm. are doing. I agree. And just, you know, make sure you're doing the best job you can. And then there it is. Leave that out there. and yeah. Stay in your lane. Do your thing. Keep it moving. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't have Hunt and Gather if I was comparing myself. Because right. you know how many people are like, is it an art gallery? It's kind of different. I'm like, yeah, it's totally different. Because right. I wasn't comparing myself and trying to create another typical art gallery. Right. But it's also not rational, you know, because there are superstars, right? Famous actors and musicians and artists that have, feel imposter syndrome. So I think it's really related to our culture in many totally. ways. But I haven't done a deep dive on it. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely the thing we all need to work on. Well, not Nate. No, I get He's it. He's going to share his I don't give a fuck pill with all of us <laughs> artists here at Hunt and Gather. Can you highlight any memorable experiences you've faced in your artistic journey for us? So you're talking about good experiences, right? Or- good or bad. Because sometimes bad experiences turn to learning and yeah. we end up growing from it. So it can, whatever you feel like sharing as far as something that has impacted your artistic journey. Well, I mean, a really positive experience was being part of the Art and Embassies program through the State Department. I had my art shown in the U.S. Embassy in Algeria, oh my gosh. the U.S. Wow. Consulate in Kosovo, and 
It's in the per, uh, permanent collection at the U.S. Embassy in Burkina Faso, which is in Africa. Wow. <laughs> they had a ceremonial breakfast at the mm-hmm. White House for all the artists. Oh, wow. This was during the Bush years. This is memorable. Um, That's very memorable. Very, very memorable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say. And another incredible experience I had was I did an art residency in India in a small town called Cochin Mm -hmm. in southern India. And that was incredible. Just this is like monsoon territory, beautiful farmlands and it was so meditative and amazing to be out there. And how uh, long was the residency? It was a month or maybe five weeks. That Um, is amazing. How did you stumble upon that i was you know i'm someone that loves to like research and find things you just so i was yeah i just like i knew kind of i i was already because of my yoga meditation Mm -hmm. practice i i had already been to india and i loved india so i wanted to go back there and yeah i just you know there's a lot of resources out there so i found it have you ever thought about running art retreats this one there was a time when i thought about it but I want to partner with you. <laughs> All right, we can talk about it. This I, could I be need a, a partner. This could be oh when gosh. we reti- like in our retirement. Okay, age. I love it. I love Dee it. She has five hundred business ideas <laughs> cooking up, and she's just waiting for some sucker to come along. <laughs> sucker. <laughs> I'm playing. Yeah. No, I definitely. I've often thought about ways to combine like the meditation 100%. stuff with 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 uh, art mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, people love that kind of thing. So, yeah, let's talk. All right. <laughs> Okay, so how do you believe your work contributes to the local art scene in San Francisco? Okay. Favorite city in the whole world. Mm. Okay, so I'll just say this. You know, due to the tech industry moving in and, you know, for good and bad in the city, I think any artist who's living and working in San Francisco is doing a tremendous amount to help the culture, the artistic culture of this city. I mean, it's just so important so many artists have left or been priced out. Mm. And so what you're doing, Didi, and what you're doing, Nate, all of us, like, it's crucial. Totally. So I don't find myself, like, special in that way. I just think any any artist working here is, is doing a lot. I, I mean, that said, though, I think, like, my type of art, I will say, I haven't seen as much of it here. I think I've seen it more, like, on the East Coast or Santa Fe or Los Angeles. So maybe I'm bringing, you know, a certain genre that's not as common yeah, but we need as many artists as we can get here. Amen. Totally. I was going to ask, can you share your perspective on the role of art building community and fostering connections? You kind of just touched on that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I actually did a, my degree was in public art and design, actually. Ooh. Funny enough. And then that was like building 3D sculptural type objects for public spaces. I realized after I did the degree, like, Actually, I prefer the intimacy of painting, but it was always very important to me. And mm. I do think like in modern times where, where, you know, we're so focused on productivity and efficiency, art spaces, art galleries, public art spaces, they really provide this really important role to remind us of our humanness and create connection and community. Kind of like in a way that like in times of the past, churches or town mm. squares used to do. We don't have that anymore. Like I'm from D.C. and... They have this beautiful sculpture garden. I don't know if either of you have been there. And it's it's downtown, like, where all the federal buildings are, which are not very pretty. <laughs> and this beautiful sculpture built area just provides such a wonderful place for connection. So I do think it's, it's very important. Absolutely. What advice would you give aspiring artists looking to establish themselves in art? Yeah, so... 
I honestly, what I would say to aspiring artists at the beginning of their careers is honestly spend as much time as you can being prolific and making as much art as you can and, and really developing your skills making great art and and I think as you know mundane as it is to hear it's like find a way to take care of your finances uh, in a way that's not going to burden you so that you can have the time to make the art at least in the beginning I don't know find a job that is not going to like take up all your time and your energy and then carve out that time so you can really, really, really develop as an artist because we all know the market is saturated, but that doesn't mean that the artists are good, right? Like, so you really want to be able to develop the skills because I think once the marketing side comes in, it can really deplete your energy. Mm. So, mm -hmm. and then, you know, later on, like when you are doing the marketing, I would say time management is so crucial, like splitting your time up and really not trying to merge those together like making a plan you really want your head to be clear of all of that stuff I would creating. say like in the beginning and then pick the avenues that really work for you there's so many ways as I was saying earlier to sell your art so you've got to kind of like narrow it down but at the same time I would also say this is from personal experience like really be open to the types of venues that you'll show in because you never know I, like one example I always tell people is I had a show at NIH, the National Institute of Health, and like <laughs> some doctor came down and bought my entire show, like wow. 20 paintings or something. Wow. So like you just don't know where, what? or like I used to do uh, street festivals in Washington, D.C., and I got a number of commissions and one of the public art installations I had from, from that. So, you know, you I think sometimes artists can get, you know, they can get very choosy, mm -hmm. but at the beginning, you should, I think, be open and not limit yourself and really so put true. yourself out there. Such good advice. I really like what you said about um, having some kind of income so that it doesn't hinder your ability to create. Because I think a lot yeah. of times, mm -hmm. if you're if you're stressed out about money and you have to make rent you're not, yeah. off of your the, art, off of your art, That's... then it makes the art really difficult to create. Mm -hmm. It stresses you out, and you you're not able to just let the creativity flow yeah and then you might end up doing art you don't really want to do and then you start doing art for like not the right reasons no. you know mm -hmm. and that and you don't want to go down that path and you know actually this brings up something else i used to do commissions oh my bad oh <laughs> nate and his analog <laughs> phone he brought with him my bad my ringer from the 70s okay. <laughs> i i used to do commissions and oh my gosh they were so hard people would come and say like you know, can you redo this painting? And hmm. because I wanted the money, I, I would try to do it. Well, my art, unfortunately, I mean, some of them I can redo, but some of them, no. It's just, uh, it's right. not going to happen. The super layered pieces mm. with all this sort of like, you know, happy accidents. And I would, and that's an example. Now I say like, no, I can't, I can't do that. Like I can work with you to create something in a certain, you know, genre or feel, but I'm not going to do an exact commission. That was mm -hmm. an example of like, you know, I was making art that wasn't making me happy. Yeah. yeah. Man, you young artists out there, I'm telling you, go back to the beginning of this question and take notes on what Michelle <laughs> just said. If you don't have any idea what you're doing, if you don't have a business plan or a life plan to be an artist, she just dropped <laughs> so many gems on you guys. I'm seriously, that's like great advice. Good. Yeah. Yeah.
It took a while to figure it out, so. Yeah. I know. I hear you're speaking through experience yeah, and I wisdom. Help, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely speaking through experience. That's free game. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> so, okay, so Michelle's going to be featured here in our fall show called Rooted and Layered. And the layered is her work, because when I saw your work, it was very much layers of color. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling it's also inspired by nature. Mm-hmm. So so Rooted and Layered is the show coming up this fall. Michelle is really the one who kind of kicked off this show. We decided to host Michelle for Artspan's Open Studios this fall, November 4th and 5th. And then that kind of just got me thinking because then I started opening up the space to some other artists who also happen to be abstract artists. Okay. We have three artists who are going to be showing here this fall for sure. I'm still working on a couple ideas with some other artists, but we have Michelle for sure, Alfredo for sure, Catherine Sherman, who's actually a quilter. She tells stories with her quilts and goes right along with the theme. So we're going to be showing her work here all fall getting ready for those open studios. So the open studios is, like we said, the 4th and 5th, and we're gonna have a little party to celebrate the opening on November 3rd. Awesome. So have you participated in Artspan's open studios before here in San Francisco? Yes, I did. I participated, I believe the years were 2016, 17, and 18. I participated at ARC, if you're familiar with ARC Mm -hmm. in SOMA. So it was always like a wonderful experience. You know, I, I connected with the art community. I made great friends. I, you know, I met new potential collectors and mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's really good motivation and just a really positive experience for artists in general. Artspan is an incredible organization doing so much in this, in this city. And also just to, as an artist, to go out and see the hundreds of creative people, this is like the one opportunity you have each Mm -hmm. year to do that. And it's phenomenal. So yes, I highly encourage people to be part of it. I'm so excited we're doing that. We're hosting artists here because we've never participated in Artspan Open Studios. So this will be the first time. Yep. Okay. As we wrap up here. Do you have any other exciting projects or exhibitions you'd like to share with us that are on the horizon? Sure. Well, I can say for those um, who might be going to the D.C. area, (laughs) I actually have a show right now up in Fairfax, Virginia at a gallery called Mosaic Arts Gallery. So I have some of my small works on wood up there until the end of September. And then also I am off to a art residency in Bali on wow. September 12th. So really soon. I cannot wait. So I'll be there for a month creating a series of works on paper inspired by the landscape there. So oh I'll be bringing I'll bring some in to a hunt and gather for Open Studios. Awesome. First weekend of November. So that is amazing. I'm super, super excited. Mm-hmm. We got to get you running a workshop on how oh. to travel and get art residencies yeah. all over the world. Sounds like that's like your secret mo totally i totally did actually i did give a talk for artspan like about art residencies wow like 2014 or 15 i'm happy to oh my god i don't know i mean i've only been on the two but i mean Mm -hmm. i'm going this one i've been on the other one but still that's more than i want to i want to learn what how you're doing that because i'm i'm gonna travel as soon as my youngest who's a sophomore right now goes yeah uh, absolutely to college (laughs) 
I, let's get you on a, a okay. workshop. Mm-hmm. I hate traveling, but really? <laughs> Nate's like, I'll come to the workshop, but I won't. I, don't know I won't take is. the advice. I'll just stay me here. And my, me and my wife are like opposites. Me Where's and, your and wife my part- right now? She's in freaking Brazil. Oh, this is good to hear. I'm my partner also, not a big. Trip. Yeah, it's fine. You know, for me, <laughs> I'm like, where are you going, Daily City? Here we go. You know, it's all good, but. I don't know. I have so much going on in my head that when I'm here, I'm doing stuff and I'm happy, you know, yes, but that's, that's what my and that's does. fine, yeah. you know, but I also do understand the importance of traveling. But, you know, I don't want to get off on that tangent. But I did want to say, man, your work sounds so prolific. It sounds like you've been doing it for a long time. So where can the people follow you on social media? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on Instagram, michelle.delaminardier. Oh my lord. Okay, Lord's why don't you spell that, that for the people? So, we'll also have it in the show notes, guys. Yeah, I think check the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Check the show notes. Okay. And do you have a website or wh- where are you alive out there on the... Yeah, so my website is delaminardier.com. Okay. Again. Can they purchase your work on your website? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do sell my small works on Etsy, and the shop name is Delaminardier Art. And then also, all you know, my website has all of my larger available works, and you can look there and contact me directly for inquiries and pricing. And then your Instagram? The Instagram is michelle.delaminardier. It's the handle. And we will put all of those links in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us here, Michelle. And we look forward to, I look forward to hanging your show and then celebrating your work and inviting people to come check it out this season. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see it. So there you have it. Episode number one of the Rooted and Layered interview series featuring participating artist Michelle DeLaminardier. Stay tuned for future episodes featuring the other artists in our current show, Rooted and Layered, on display here in the gallery from September 22nd to November 12th. Join us for Open Studios November 4th and 5th, kickoff party Friday, November 3rd from 6 to 9. In the meantime, you can visit us and view the show. Fall gallery hours are Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. or by appointment. And if you're an artist or a maker and you'd like to participate in Winter Solstice Inner Sunset Art Walk on December 21st, now is the time to sign up. Go to huntandgathersf.com slash artwalk for all the details. All the links will be in the show notes. See you soon.